Another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show about watching old television to figure out why all of our brains are broken. That's right, why all of our brains are broken. It's spread beyond the baby boomers like a viral infestation. It hurts all of us. <laughs> it's trickled down. I'm like, one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other one, I'm Dan Ludwig. How you been, Dan? Uh, you know, I've been better, it's February. Wait, what? I, I forgot what fucking month it is. That's how shitty I'm doing. I was about to talk about how shitty February is. It hasn't been February for a fucking week. We, we, we had to reschedule recording today because I was in the hospital for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we were going to record yesterday and I just like fell on the floor, stomach pains, spent an entire day getting a CAT scan for, had, had like three doctors point, poke at me to learn, maybe it was viral thing we don't know i don't have to get my appendix taken out and i don't have cancer i it really do, feels like it should not be an option for them to just go like i don't know man like it's, bodies are weird huh that'll be a thousand dollars you gave them the money so it should be like well i'm leaving when you guys have an answer they can't just be like it's probably cool i mean who knows what goes in goes on inside of you like uh, an angry pill-popping asshole should have like stumbled in pointed at me and been like, that guy has Hodgkin's lymphoma. Every hospital should have a house. <laughs> at least, like, he wouldn't even have to be someone who's a genius, like a belligerent, like Sherlock Holmes-esque uh, mastermind of, of, of health, but just someone who's on enough narcotics to speak confidently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, like, comes in and be like, like, you have... Uh, uh, you, Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, you have Lou Gehrig's disease. You'd be like, all right, I know what's wrong with me. And then you'd be like, I'll take the malpractice. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm on my way out of this world. That's what every hospital needs. Instead of just be like, I don't know, man. Like, you just kind of wasted money. You should have just been in pain on the couch, you dipshit. Yeah, that's the thing. I know that objectively the best possible scenario is that I don't have cancer and I don't have to have surgery, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it sure doesn't fucking feel that way. It really vindicates people who, when they feel a pain like this, they just start drinking more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to be like an Emma brand here. Oh, don't ask about my sciatic. Ah. Bringing it full circle to the original topic. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know, man. It pisses me off. And that's, that's the American healthcare system in a nutshell, right? So now it's like a boy who cries wolf. So the next time I do, like, my appendix is going to rupture. And I'll be like, that's ah, fine. Mm. Just like last time, I'm just going to lie on this. And then I'm going to die. Yeah. No, basically, eventually, you just... The, the one time that you decide that you've had enough of just a doctor poking you and then deciding that, fuck it, get out of his office. Right. Just that one time. That's when it turns out to be like... Like someone's put a bomb in you. Well, I slept. Yeah, yeah. It no. was when I it was when I uh, went out on a blind date with a beautiful woman, uh, and then I woke up in a bathtub surrounded by ice, and you know, no longer had a kidney. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, you know what? It's fine. We just got a little too drunk. Yeah. Whatever. 
No. Maybe she just has a bathtub full of ice fetish. We, I got lucky. This example got away from us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you woke up with a missing kidney and you were like, I am not paying another copay. <laughs> she probably just did very shallow cuts. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. So that's how my week's been. Mine's just been the normal kind of bad. Do you want to just get into it? Do you want to just like hop into this shit? Yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and hop into this shit. Okay, so um, today's episode... I have some weird feelings about it's it, it's kind of a Barney being bad episode, but I wind up way more mad at Andy after this. One. It it is such like it's the background radiation of the show. Like it is just the noise that the Andy Griffith show makes against my skull that I can't even remember all the stuff that happens in it, and I've watched it like four times. Where it's just like it's just it is the Andy Griffith show. It's just Andy is bad, Barney is bad, this whole thing is bad and doesn't make any sense and everybody is stupid. So, of course, we are talking about season 2, episode 12, Sheriff Barney, written by Leo Solomon and Ben Gershman. Originally airs December 25th, 1961. Merry Christmas, 1961. You get this fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Eat shit, 1961. And uh, directed by... Guy who reminds you way too heavily that he subscribes to Playboy for the articles, wink, 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 Bob Sweeney. Belligerent NPC in an open world video game, Bob Sweeney. And here is your one, I like that one. Yeah. Here is your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. When Barney is offered the sheriff's post in a neighboring town, he and Andy trade places for the day to see if Barney is up to the job. So it's a standard, like, Boxing Day thing. That's going to take the boss's place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So is this the most stakes that the Andy Griffith show has ever had? Because Barney Fife being the sheriff of a neighboring town is potentially cataclysmic. Actually, there is an episode where Barney has been the sheriff before. Right. He did arrest the entire town and only let them out when Andy came back. It bothers me, like... The continuity issues here, I suppose. And I, I feel like in 1960s, you know, there didn't need to be a whole lot of continuity. There doesn't really need to be a whole lot of continuity now. Mm-hmm. I'm not that much of a stickler for canon or continuity, but it always does bother me when there's a clear example of a thing happening in the past. Mm-hmm. And this episode pretends that that thing didn't happen. In this episode, it's Andy saying, well, you ain't never been sheriff before. Yes, he has. We all saw it. I mean, it is sort of a thing of, uh, they did not in a million years dream uh, dream of something like streaming, so they can't imagine someone watching these two things in rapid, anything close to rapid succession. That's true. Yeah. We are we are kind of ruining it with our, like, yeah. millennial streamings. It, it was like the writers didn't remember that uh, Barney had been sheriff one time, because it was forever ago. That's true, and these are guys, uh, Leo Solomon and Ben Gershman, uh, they've done a couple of things, but they're not really series regulars. They're not like Ellison yeah. Stewart. If you came at them and were like, hey, there's a continuity, like, if you comic book guide them, like, there's a continuity error. In- what? what is this, a magic jail cell? <laughs> they would be like, oh, really? Oh, shit, Really? Because, you know, a bunch, it was, this is TV in the 60s, so that was generations ago. Men have died, children have been born since then. I mean, they're also fucking blitzed on highballs and martinis anyway. That, like, yeah. 
They're 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 drinking away their wartime traumas through this. So everyone's memory is like twenty. Like they're they're trying their best to do continuity. It's hard. Yeah. So I should be less of a nerd about this. That's what you're saying. More just like just just keep in mind with the time of like it took them a little bit to remember that this guy was Andy and the other guy was Barney. Like <laughs> just written on their hands. Yeah. Like every episode. Like oh, what is this show that I've watched fifteen times? This is an. Andy Griffith. Oh! Andy, tall. Barney, skinny. Opie, child. Yeah. <laughs> Just o- written on the hand. Opie, loud ginger. All right, so let's go ahead and, and get into this. Uh, we open up on a mayor's office. Not not the mayor. Not the mayor. Not, don't a even. Mayor. A, a mayor. A do, mayor. Don't you even dare do the pronunciation of it in this context. This is the most... <laughs> Not our mayor's mayor office. Hashtag not my mayor. <laughs> he he is not pudgy. He is not really poly. He is not an adorable little Pooh Bear doofus. He looks like he might be like vaguely competent at running a town. He's he's just a man with a mustache and a hat. Is he wearing a hat? I'm a ma- I'm remembering him with a hat. Uh, sure, yeah. He wears a hat at some point. Anyway, so we're in a mayor's office. We are. Uh, it's the mayor of Greendale. Greendale. So like, he's the, the mayor of the community college from Community. Well, the mayor of the uh, the town that Sabrina and her witch friends torture. <laughs> do you want to do another pass yeah. at that big guy? Yeah. <laughs> they torture. I've never seen Sabrina the teenage witch. Do they torture Greendale? <laughs> I mean, kind of. The they torture an entire town. Yes. <laughs> Is it like they're that's, neighboring that's... rivals? Or is it like the town they're from? Like they're 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 in Greendale, and the witch well, the witch folk are not really welcome in Greendale, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I just again, I've never seen some, more than like twenty seconds of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I know there's a talking animatronic cat and some hijinks with uh, her boyfriend. Well, you know what you can do to get caught up is you can listen to our friends at Sabrina the Teenage Watch. Sabrina the Teenage Watch. Sab- <laughs> Golly gee, what's that? <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Watch is a very amusing podcast. Where a group, a group of British friends of ours get together and watch every single episode of Melissa Joan Hart's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And they talk about how incredibly 90s it is. You can listen to Sabrina the Teenage Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You guys owe me. Wow, that was so organic. <laughs> Alright, let's get back to the fucking episode that we're going to try so hard to not talk about. Alright, so the mayor's fucking office. season two. So the, I hate this season so much. I know it picks up later. Uh, so... The promised land. So the mayor of Greendale and his council are talking about how Sheriff Maloney, I guess, maybe died? They There's they some... don't do any explanation. They just do exposition. They're like, rabble, 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 rabble. Okay, we need someone to finish Sheriff Maloney's term. What about this? And they just pull up a newspaper. This is, I'm doing this at the exact right pace. What about this? Andy Taylor is very good at sheriffing. Oh, no, well, we can't get Andy Taylor... Well, what about his deputy? Barney Fife. Let's get Barney Fife. Call him now. Done. Done. That's the whole scene. They just fucking blast through it. There's no color, no context. They're like, hello, the mayor. We're all in the mayor's office. We're having an argument. All right. Here's a resolution. Let's set up this episode real fast. Go, 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 go. (laughs) And then you can almost see them scattering like cockroaches. It's amazing how much time they save in this scene. So they can just waste time later <laughs> yeah. and do nothing with it. Oh, God, we were efficient in our writing. Better have Barney dick around the barbershop for another eight minutes. <laughs> Bam! 
Vamp! Vamp! It's like they're they're fucking they're talking like old timey cops just doing like rapid fire exposition. Here's what really confused me about this, and I, I mentioned this before. In the episode where Andy and Barney got a fucking medal, but their medal came from like scam artists. Mm-hmm. So But they really were the town with the lowest crime rate, not in the country, but in the state of North Carolina. Yeah, they they are getting like showered with these medals for how friggin' low their crime rate rate is. Okay, so that's and just as we've established esta- fact. As we've established, because Andy is just not actually arresting people for crimes, he's just taking them to his office, going like, "Stop it! You cut that out!" And then like shooing them away. So he's doing arrests, but not calling them arrests. So sure. his his numbers are low when in reality he probably just has the same fucking crime rate as any other town in the state sure yeah so basically that's our setup this town is going to try to offer barney a job yeah as sheriff yeah smash cut to barney locking himself in the jail cell yeah andy just like walks in barney's already locked in the jail cell it's actually kind of a weird meta moment because barney's like all right so now you're gonna fuck with me you're, you're, you're gonna do the whole not letting me out of the jail cell bit like you do every time. So it is like kind of the show is becoming self-aware. Yeah, they so. know that, that they've done this gag a million times. They know that they're aware of it. Yeah. But this time Andy does not do that. Andy just lets him ride out, which surprises Barney. Uh, and Andy says, nope, I've got too much important work for you right now. Uh, and Barney's really surprised and of course he starts to get excited. Because I'm getting important police work. We're going to work on the Rafe Hollister case? We've been after his still for months. Remember that name, Rafe Hollister. It's going to come in handy later. It, it was, is it, are you saying Rafe? It's Rafe. Rafe Hollister. I thought it was Ray Hollister. No, it's Rafe. There's an F. Rafe Hollister. Rafe is not a name. Or not like outside of a fantasy novel. It's not, Rafe. Not outside of the Witcher series. <laughs> no, not only is Rafe Hollister a name, it's also a character we've seen before. We've seen that we've seen the actor that plays Ray Hollister before, and he's always like some hillbilly wearing a barrel shooting at Andy. He's he's the overalls motherfucker. Yeah, we've seen him before. He was playing different characters, but all basically <laughs> variations on a rape. I, I like that. Like they use the same people, and they always have them in the same wardrobe. And it's just the basis of like, well, we know your size. Costume department had a lot of bearing on casting in this show. Yeah. Uh, be like, I'll be goddamned if I'm buying a second pair of overalls. You get Rafe Hollister back. Andy is just, he's just messing with Barney. He basically, like, gives him this detail of, like, okay, I've got, there's three cars outside. There's a pickup truck, and there's a sedan. And and he's, like, teasing Barney, because Barney's getting real excited. He makes him think it's, like, an attempted robbery. Right, right. And then he just says, I think they're all double parked. Go out there and mark them with chalk. Which I guess is like a was a measurement thing. I don't really understand what it's weird or like your signal like like sending them a, a message that they're double parked or something so that they can move. I yeah, I figured it was like a measurement thing. I didn't really understand what it was, but it it's it's a menial task. It's a bullshit nothing task. Yeah. Uh, and Barney knows it. Yeah. You know, so but- he is really like just hammering home for Barney, like your existence is mundane and meaningless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Haha, Barney, nothing you do matters. Yeah. Hey. hey, delusions. You know those delusions at Grangy you have? I'm just going to kick them a little bit. I'm just going to kick those delusions. <sighs> nothing bad has ever happened from poking a crazy person directly in the crazy part of their brain. 
and then he runs out to go shock up the cars or whatever, and Andy locked the door, so he just runs right into it. Yeah. Just being a real prick, honestly. Just really, like, like unrelentingly fucking with him. Yeah, so Barney leaves, and then we enter the mayor of Greensdale and some councilmen uh, who come, and they say, hey, we're here... Hot exposition delivery. (laughs) We're here because we want to offer your deputy a job as the sheriff. Yeah. And Andy is upset by this. And this is what I want to get into is I don't understand Andy's motivation here. It was really unclear. And I got really mad because that's not Andy's fucking decision to make. Okay, so let's figure out why Andy doesn't want Barney to be sheriff. Because there's the obvious reason. Okay, reason A. Yeah. The good, the good reason. Is that he's protecting Greendale from Barney. From Barney being a wildly incompetent sheriff. Which reveals that he knows, you know, how shitty Barney is. Yeah. Uh, he, he does have a season and a half of historical information to, to base off of Barney not being a very good sheriff. Possibly being a danger to the community. Reason B, he's protecting Barney from Greendale. Because he knows that if Barney goes there, he cannot handle that level of pressure of actually doing his job. So he's gonna pr- he's trying to protect him from failure. Right, right. Reason C, he's protecting himself from having to get another deputy that would make him actually do his fucking job. Yeah. And, and reason D, he just doesn't want to lose his little buddies. And a lot of those are real fucking selfish. I, I get real mad at him. Yeah, yes, I know that Barney would suck at that job and everyone would be miserable. But that is Barney's decision to make. That is Greendale's decision to make. Andy should fuck right off out of this one. Okay. So the the thing I had was like, uh, I was like, oh man, it would be so cataclysmic for uh, Greendale to have Barney Fife as a sheriff. But then I, I sort of thought about for a second, I was like, yeah, no, what would happen if there was a, a town with a sheriff who was petty and violent and, uh, and, and incompetent? Whatever would happen if that happened in America? In the South? Never! Like, my God, can you imagine? Uh, You can't see this, but I'm clutching my pearls so fucking hard right now. Those are really nice, by the way. Where did you get those? They're my podcasting pearls. (laughs) I got them from all the money we're getting. Uh, Yeah, no. Patreon.com slash Breaking (laughs) Mayberry. We're doing an an ad for Loot Crate after this. Uh, Yeah, no, so... It does kind of undercut, like, I mean, they they do establish that Greendale is just sort of a normal fucking town. Like, how much damage could Barney do? I think he could do a lot of damage. Sure. But, but also, they would put that together. Immediately. But when they put it together, they would be like, okay, so he's insane. Uh, he locked up the entire town again. Uh, and there's no longer an Andy here to talk everyone down. So, uh, lawsuits, or maybe like, hey, Andy, why did you hire this tiny, insane man? Yeah, he's gonna get, he's gonna bring the heat down on Andy. It's gonna come to him no matter what. Actually, I will, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be pro Andy on this. Okay. Uh, him and Barney have a very precarious situation where Barney is wildly incompetent. Uh, Andy has been protecting him for years, and Barney doesn't know that he's wildly incompetent, so him out in the wild, without Andy's protection, he can do a lot of damage to himself, Andy, and the greater community. Okay, okay, so here's my 
not necessarily counterpoint, but my side point to that. It's Andy's fault. Yes. It's entirely Andy's fault that Barney is the way he is. Yeah. No, the entire time he could have been making Barney better at his job. He could have been training Barney. He could have shown Barney that he did something wrong. Yeah. Ever. Like he could have, yeah, he could have made sure that Barney learned lessons that made him better at being a cop. But instead, all those times we've yelled at the, about this a billion times. Every time Barney's fucked up, the chief priority has been to make Barney feel better. Not to make Barney learn the error of his ways and improve upon them, but just to make him not sad. Yeah. So that's actually the very next scene. Barney is really excited. He's happy about the job opportunity, as he should be excited. But he sees that Andy's very upset. And they have a small argument about it, basically, in which Andy says, you know, sheriffing's hard. You know, you're great at being a deputy, but you need more experience mm -hmm. and looking at things a couple of different ways. But it's entirely Andy's fault that he's that way. Yeah. It's entirely Andy's fault that Barney has no experience and that Barney is just like a fascist kind of all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a reason to shoot kind <laughs> of guy. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a teenager with a toy gun. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It went dark on that one. I get it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so every every permutation of a reason to, for Andy to do this is Andy's fault initially. Right. Yeah. But, but I don't agree that he should... Uh, I think he does justifiably go into damage control mode. I would go into damage control mode. It's It's his fault that he has to. Uh, he should have not hired this tiny lunatic. He should have made him better at being a cop. But now the situation he's in, he should 100% be interfering. Yeah, no. This, is, I feel this like episode is just more emotional manipulation on behalf of Andy. He's definitely... I don't know if I'd say that he's doing it in the right way because he is doing it in the most roundabout, emotionally, mentally manipulative way possible. He could just be honest with the dude and just say, like, hey, man... You're not good enough to be fucking sheriff. You're kind of crazy. He could just finally have a heart-to-heart -heart with the guy and just be like, Hey, man, you ever notice that you're insane? <laughs> <laughs> you ever you ever notice that? Remember that? Remember the, the historical instances of uh, you doing something like being a sheriff and being very bad at it? It's time to get your life sorted out, buddy, and then you can be sheriff. Yeah, if anything, this should be like a wake-up call, right? Yeah. But, like, Andy, that happens. A wake-up call happens. And Andy's like, oh, let's not have a full-blown wake-up call here. Yeah, yeah. Let's get us some nice status quo on this. All right, so uh, they have kind of a little bit of an argument, uh, and uh, Barney kind of storms out. And then we get an absolutely useless scene of Barney just bragging outside of the barber's office or barber shop where he's just bragging to Floyd. We get exactly one new piece of information in this scene. Yeah. And that is that Greendale is not a big town. It's he, a small town just like Mayberry. He he says like I gotta go to the lawless streets of Greendale and bring law and order to it. And he says like oh you know it's a thankless job but tap tap on the gun. Man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. So big old red flag. Because sure. he's like I'm gonna go to this lawless town that I the, yes, it's lawless. Don't you dare tell me that it's not. It is a, a just a rat hole of, of crime and violence. Uh, and I'm going to tap, tap on gun, bring order to it. So he's going to just be like mowing down like store owners and and just like old men 
with his sidearm. Yeah, but like, you know what? That's Greendale's problem. <laughs> they should have done some research. They what? should have, like, a, I don't know, an interview process. They... They, they, they're only, actually, yeah, they really should have interviewed Barney. What yeah. are they doing? Yeah, they just came in and asked Andy for permission to take Barney. They did not speak to Barney at all. If there had just been, like, a three-minute job interview, this would not have been a... 30 seconds! They could have talked to him for 30 seconds! He can't talk to anybody without being like, you know, I shot Al Capone in the face, right? (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact about me, I've personally gunned down Billy the Kid. I'm sorry, I I don't feel sorry for Greendale. They could have just... They could have done literally any due diligence. You know, when they were having that, uh... This is such a flimsy premise for an episode! When they were having that machine gun expositions thing, they could have established, like, alright, we're at the end of our rope. Who could we get? Right. Instead, they're just like, alright, boys, first attempt. Barney Fife. Alright, we did great. Let's go after ice cream sundaes. <laughs> like, they, they don't, like, they... they, they it, it's not established that they tried anything else. It's literally, they pick up the first newspaper and say, that guy. Just boom. They they could have picked a name out of a phone book and done the exact same level of work. Alright, let's get to Jim's birthday. <laughs> Aaron A. Aronson, boom. Let's they just, like, slap a little uh, party hat on <laughs> yeah. one of their guys, like, let's go. <laughs> ah, we don't want to get that last slice of cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah, so this Flemish, this, uh, this Flemish, this premise sucks shit. Uh, <laughs> and this, this scene is so useless, and it just, the way it ends is so weird. Uh, Barney, um, so, Floyd asks the natural question, how's Andy taking it? And Barney says, well, he shook up, but, uh, I'll just be over in the next county. I can be back if Andy needs any help. And then he just kind of smiles. And then the film keeps going for like a second or two too long. And then it just ends. It's a little nightmare fueling. It's weird. It's so weird. It's like, well, we clearly don't have a way to end this scene that does nothing. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. No. So, and then it cut. Wait, what is it? What's the next scene? The next scene is, uh, the next scene is back in the jail. Uh, and Andy is doing something, and Opie comes in uh, and says something like, kids are really going to miss Barney at school. He's the best crossing guard we've ever had. Uh, and then he asks, why can't you guys just take turns being sheriff? Because Opie, a small child, doesn't want to lose his Uncle Barney. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> That's perfectly fine kid logic. He, it is a little weird that he's like, I'm going to miss Barney. He's a great crossing guard, and not like, I'm going to miss Barney. He's a part of my life. Right. Like, I see him every day. Basic, he's my family member. He's just like, I'm going to miss Barney. He has a utilitarian function for me. He is commendable at the role that he plays in society, father. He makes he helps me get to school faster. This is going to suck ass for Opie. Also, wait, how aware can kids be of how good their crossing guard is? It's a pretty binary ability. Are the kids like walking into school like, well, you know, when Barney's here, uh, we get here a minute and a half faster. That really lets me maximize my time at my locker. Okay, so, counterpoint, we know that Barney has skipped. Barney has just said fuck off to being yeah, uh, the been, crossing guard before. There, there so we been, know what ca- that there are moments to compare it to. There have been scenes where Barney's like, I'm having an episode, and he's been like, Who's getting the children to school right now? <laughs> and so when Barney wasn't there, 
Tim Reynolds died. <laughs> no. We lost Timmy. No, it's like counterpoint. It's like Barney is like ha- is is in the midst of a bipolar episode. So when when the kids just get to that particular intersection, they're like, all right, so there's no one here to cross the street. We don't have to go to school! And then they all just, like, scatter. I like the other idea. I like that these kids are too good to, like, skip school. So they all just sit at that intersection all day waiting for any adult (laughs) to tell them it's safe to cross. They're like Fry's dog in that one episode of Futurama, just sitting there waiting. No, 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 no. When... They have basically their second spring break when, like, the seasons are changing and Barney's really manic. And he's off, like, he's off, like, buying a boat and then trying to find a lake to put the boat in. They're like, we have to go to school for this entire week. There's no one to make sure we get there. Um, so, yes, uh, Opie is upset because a person who is adequate at their utilitarian function within society is going to leave. (laughs) Filling a power vacuum <laughs> at the corner of Main and Maple Street. <laughs> Wherever will we get a crossing guard? The job that requires lifting a sign. <laughs> yeah, wow, that was ice cold of Opie in retrospect. <laughs> Not like I'll miss his sparkling personality. Just like, man, <laughs> he did things for me sometimes. So he gives Andy the idea to let Barney be sheriff. And yeah. You know, maybe that will talk him out of it. So, we fade. There's a commercial for cigarettes or something, probably. Mm -hmm. And we fade back up. And there's Barney going, really? You're going to let me be sheriff? And uh, Andy says, yeah, we're going to give you, like, a warm-up. Like, warming up a pitcher before the game. They do a little bit where, like, they swear each other in. They switch badges. uh, And Barney's going to be... uh, And, by the way, his, like, weird fascist march theme song. Starts to play again. It's so fucking Star Wars. I can't believe that just they're this aware of who he is and they keep doing this. Uh, doesn't it, like his first move is to make Andy go mark cars. No, no, no. His first move is that he's going to crack the Ray Hollister case and he's going to do it by tapping into Otis's subconscious. Yeah. Otis is asleep in the jail and he's using his highly significant scientific techniques to probe the subconscious, which is basically him just sitting there going, Otis, this is your conscience. Where is Ray Hollister still? Uh, It's actually a pretty good bit. It's it's pretty funny, especially because Otis is awake, and we see him know that he's awake, and Otis decides to fuck with him. Basically tells him, you have to go out, and we'll go through Kentucky... (laughs) Ohio, Michigan, and then turn around and come back through Chicago. I don't know, and then come into uh come into town, and it's at four eleven Elm Street, four eleven Elm Street. That's where the still is. And Barney starts to get really excited. He's like, "We gotta get to the still. That's a far." He says, "Go get the axes." Yeah. Remember, we've seen Barney take down a still with an axe. It did rule. It was it was a kick ass scene. But and then Andy just goes like, Barney, say that address again. And he was like, four eleven Elm Street. That's my house. And then just starts screaming at Otis to leave. Fun fact from the ultra reliable and possibly conspiratorial Mayberry Wiki. Oh my god! <laughs> it is revealed that Barney's address is four eleven Elm Street. 
Coincidentally, this is the exact same address as the Texas School Book Depository in Dallas, where Holy Lee shit. Harvey Oswald shot Ben Franklin Kennedy God. two years later. Now, I'm not... Yo! <laughs> I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying that Barney <laughs> Fife was in the in on the Kennedy assassination, wait, 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 but I'm wait. not not saying that Barney Fife was in on the Kennedy assassination. Where was this show in? Where was this episode in relation to the Kennedy assassination? <laughs> two years, two years before. Holy shit! <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah. The magic curving single bullet in the pocket <laughs> theory. <laughs> no, uh, Don Knotts was so the the, se- the second shooter was Don Knotts who was actually in the car in one of the bodyguards. <laughs> Holy fuck! That's oh, so... hey, I gotta gotta get up to that grassy knoll and nip this in the bud. Okay, okay. So imagine uh, the arguments on the back end of the wiki of uh, the wiki page where they were like, "You're not putting that." into the wiki and he's like the people need to know <laughs> like what are you trying to say phil i don't I'm, I'm not trying to say anything i just think it's a weird coincidence be like no bill what are you trying to say be like they were trying to warn us trying to warn. <laughs> so a rogue member of the cia got a message to the andy griffith show and they were trying to tell kennedy to not go by that place <laughs> like I've, it, I've been sitting on that information all week waiting to tell you <laughs> I'm really impressed by your restraint because I would have screamed texted it to you. The the Mayberry Wiki is a dangerous collection of lunatics who I I can't emphasize this enough will kill us. Like these people are like there's such it feels like we're just skimming over a pond and in that pond are just like Cthulhu octopi like battling each other and every now and then we just see a tentacle pop up <laughs> like just every now and then like we'll just see like how insane these people are in their additional trivia okay so after that happens um Barney kicks both Otis and Andy out so apparently he's just like, well, Otis has served his time. Get the fuck out. Yeah. He kicks them both out, sends Andy to go chalk up those marked cars or something, whatever. That's what it is. Yeah. And then he's just sitting around the jailhouse when two angry farmers come in. They've got a dispute about chickens and property lines. It's the most Mayberry thing possible. Mm-hmm. These two are just in a massive fight because one of them built a fence on the property line that blocks the sunlight from... The chickens that belong to the other one. Yeah. Um, so it was like, my your chickens are picking on my property, so I built a fence. You built a fence, so no sunlight is getting on my chickens. Didn't really know chickens needed sunlight that bad. I actually recently learned this. Uh, for a certain fowl, like chickens and ducks, uh, like the amount of sunlight means that they lay that they get determines or has some impact on the amount of eggs that they lay. Mm-hmm. In fact, some farmers will put like UV lights up. In coops, so that they still have some kind of exposure. Okay, so this is of so, significant import. Right, this could like hurt his business. Right. You know? Also, chickens have seasonal affective disorder. Oh, poor chickens with their just depression. <laughs> I I made that up, but I, I appreciate your concern for the chickens. They just like stay inside and listen to a lot of Siggy Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Do like. Mm dramatic tweets and then just say that they're fine obviously they listen to birdie 
So moving on to the next scene. <laughs> so the farmers are mad. M- Marty, why are the farmers mad? <laughs> the farmers are mad because one of them built a fence and now the other one chicken can't get enough sunlight. Yeah, and yeah. Bar- and Barney's response to having two men arguing in his uh, office is to probably arrest <laughs> both of them. <laughs> he, like, he can't get them to stop yelling, so he just puts them both in jail. Uh, and then, like, they're still yelling in jail, so he's, like, screaming at them to stop screaming. Now, to be, to be fair, that's not that different than how Andy would handle that situation. Like, there was more yelling, but Andy would definitely, like, alright, you, you boys need to go in here and cool off. He would just be, like, more parental about it. He would give them chicken. He would have done this, be like, you're in jail, but, oh, isn't jail like a five-star hotel? Look at this chicken from my Aunt B. Here yeah. you go. Yeah, he would just put them in timeout because Andy is everyone's daddy. Yeah. So, I don't... The actual action here, in keeping with Mayberry Law, not incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, what he does is a super bad job, but it's not a super bad job that we could confidently say Andy would not do. No, He'd Andy just be was... charming about it. He'd put a, put a better coat of paint on it. Right. So... Uh, he walks away, we do kind of a cut, enter Andy, and these two men are just yelling uh, at their new sheriff. And they say they're going to sue for law- for wrongful arrest. Justifiably. The, the first time, no, not the first time anyone said this. This has been said, but it never happens. Yeah. Barney, meanwhile, is reading through law books, trying to find, like, some case precedent for how to handle this. Uh, which... I realize that it's supposed to be irrational, and it's supposed to be like, hey, hey, Barney, use your common sense. I get this. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not something a fucking sheriff's deputy would do. That's something that the attorney who's trying a case would do. Okay, so he's trying to figure out, like, he's trying to, like, figure out case law, and his thing that, like, shows how out of his depth he is is he's like, this could go all the way to the Supreme Court, because the precedence on, on property lines is crazy. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily show, like, how incompetent he is. It shows how poorly trained he is. Because there's definitely steps that he should be taking that he doesn't know how to take, and they're not the steps that Andy does. I gotta be honest, I feel like the entire problem with Barney is that he's in the wrong job. He should be a prosecuting attorney. No, because he's incompetent. Yeah, but at least then all he's got to do is just go, like, just lock him in a room with books and tell him that he's doing a great job. That's true. I mean, he can do way less damage as a prosecuting attorney. Yeah. Fuck, um, that would have been such a better spinoff than, than, wait, it's not a spinoff. They, they, like, the Mayberry RFD is the after show. Yeah. Um, anyway, Andy listens to them, and he's, I, okay, so... There's this thing that happens whenever you're trying to do a series with, like, one rational character and everybody else around him Mm. is ridiculous. Andy Griffith does this. King of the Hill does this. Letter Kenny kind of does this. A lot of shows do this. But the problem with it is, in order to make our one character look smart, you have to crank up the stupid and the crazy on everyone around him. And this really happened in the latter season of King of the Hill. And this is one of those examples, right? Because Andy listens to their problem, and then he says, Well, why don't you just make the fence out of chicken wire? 
who says chicken right in the name. And then the two farmers go, chicken wire, Chicken huh? wire. Chicken wire, huh? I, a farmer in a rural area, forgot about chicken wire. The, they go, why didn't we think of that? And I go, yeah, why the fuck didn't you? They, it's insane that they didn't think of yeah, that. Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah. It's they, such a contrived problem. Yeah, just, like, make your fence out of a different thing. Which, I guess you could say, like, in the heat of the moment, people forget very basic solutions because they're so pissed off. Well, no, there's no such thing as the heat of a moment building a fence. Yeah. Building a fence, it takes a while. You have to plan it. That's true. Yeah, it took... He, he watched him build a fence, and just instead of being like, Hey, man, make that a uh, chicken wire. He was like, oh, I'm going to yell as soon as this is done. Like, all fence building is premeditated. Yeah. It's all, it's all, like, first how, degree. How quickly could he have built that fence? It couldn't have been, like, less than, than a couple of hours. You gotta dig shit. So, yeah, no. At some point in time, they could have, like, had a conversation about it. And remember, he doesn't say he's building a fence. He says he built a fence. Yeah. Did he do it in the middle of the night? Yeah, just like came outside and there was a fucking fence there. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Andy's resolution to this is like it's it's hard to say whether like Andy did the right thing, Barney did the right thing, because the problem is so fucking stupid that we have no like idea of what a person should have done. Right, like it's a ridiculous thing to have. Like two guys came in yelling because they were they their hands were stuck in a Chinese finger trap. And they're like, I'm gonna fucking stab him in the face if he doesn't take my hand out of this Chinese finger trap. And, like, what do you say a person should have done in that situation? And, and, and we're acting like Andy's sitting here fucking, cut the baby in half and divide yeah. it amongst them. You know, like, no, no, he's just the only person in town who remembers that chicken wire exists, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not even, like, a good example. Like, how fucking... How, how dumb are these farmers? How dumb are these writers that this is the episode where they can't demonstrate that Barney is bad at his job? <laughs> this, they've been doing it accidentally for a season and a half. And now it's like, all right, all right, boys, you're making your thesis. It's a thesis you've, abs- you've accidentally made more times than I can count. Time to g- get in there, champ. This You've been training for this day your entire lives. And they're like, I'm gonna trip over my dick immediately. <laughs> I, oh, Barney is bad because he doesn't know types of fences. Like, oh, you can't. He, oh my god! Uh, the what, mighty Casey has struck out. What the fuck? <laughs> oh. Fucking Deshaun Jackson spiking the ball on the, uh, the one yard line. Jesus, she, it's so bad. It's the <laughs> it's the worst writing fuck up I've ever seen. <laughs> imagine doing a bad job at a thing you do accidentally all the time so then uh the two men leave and they all they like get right in barney's face they're like you can't be sheriff yeah and so andy says well okay you see barney you gotta use some different tactics and barney uh, justifiably is upset because he realizes that he was set up for failure and he starts to quit. He takes his tie off. He just he storms out. And Andy, being the manipulative son of a bitch he is, says something like, 
Well, you can still be deputy. I've never had any complaints about deputy He's vibes. like, you're a, you're a great deputy, which no, he's not. And you're also, lying. Yeah, you've never had any complaints about deputy Fife. Are you sure about that? Positive, because yeah. he's not allowed to keep a bullet in his gun. Yeah. So he leaves, uh, and he does jaywalk. He does break the law as he, like, runs yeah. out. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's, like, take a beat. So... We were talking at the beginning about how Barney shouldn't have his job. So this is Barney having, like, his his fucking, like, big epiphany. Like, Barney was like, oh, shit, I'm not only bad at being a sheriff, I'm bad at my job. I'm a bad cop. I should stop being a cop because I'm not good at it. And Andy's like, no, 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 You had too much epiphany. Too much epiphany. We've done this before. Yeah. We've, we've been here before, man. We, we were here, like, five episodes ago. Yeah, that's true. Ugh. So, immediately after he leaves, Rafe Hollister enters. And I want to point something out about Rafe's costume design. He is wearing four shirts and no belt. <laughs> well, is he wearing is he wearing overalls? No, I remember... he's not wearing overalls. He's wearing pants that don't have a button. But it's just like they've like adapted to his girth, essentially. Uh-huh. So it's just that his like gut is holding up the pants. Four shirts, no belt. The official wardrobe of Moonshiners. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. It gets cold up there, and also your gut gets swollen from all of the plentiful booze? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, and he basically comes in, and he's like, well, I'm here to turn myself in, because that's how crime works in Mayberry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, whoop, I got bored of being a better criminal than you are a cop. It's no longer fun. Yeah. Jail cell, please. <laughs> and Andy says, like, he's putting him in the cell, and he goes, hey, Rafe, can I ask you a favor? Can you go and turn yourself into my deputy instead? And Rafe Hollister goes, what? Why? And he goes, go, you'll see him out there. You don't know, I know you don't know who he is, which is a huge contrivance for the writers to put in. Because how? How does he not know? How does he not know the cop that he's been ducking? Yeah, there are only two police in Mayberry. How does he not know who Barney Fife is? How does Barney Fife not know who he is? Also, we should talk about the reason why Rafe wants to turn himself in. It's not because he's bored. It's because his wife is pissed at him. Yeah, his, she, wa- his wife is like, I'm tired of fucking like being a criminal. I'm tired of shifting around. It's time for you to go back into farming. Yeah, I'm tired of, of lugging a still throughout the woods. Go back to being a farmer. Which, you know, back in that episode where we talked with Russ about it, it's just such a fucked up way of looking at it. Because it pretends that, like, moonshining is just something that they're doing for fun. Yeah. Like, he's just breaking the law because it's fun to break the law. Yeah. When, like, a much more interesting way to look at it is they're breaking the law because that's how they can make money. Again, again, this whole Great Depression, not the Great Depression thing is really weird. Yeah. Like, okay. if, this was, if this was, like, the Dust Bowl, uh, and which is what it seems like, there's a Dust Bowl, nothing's growing... You know, so you turn to moonshining because you have to make money. That's, like, a little bit more interesting. This is just, like, I'm moonshining because I'm bored, and if any time I want to, I can stop and go back into farming. I'm just... You know what's insane about the logic of this, though? Because she's like, all right, so I want you to stop ha- owning uh, a moonshining still. I want you to go back to being a farmer. So she's like, go back to owning land and your own business and several crops that you've invested in over a long period of time. Use your great deals of capital that you have to just be a, a wealthy landowner again. Uh, right. And remember, 
this got into people's heads. People think this now. Yeah. People just think that crime is just a thing that you just... You can just do or not do. Do or not do. Yeah, like, at just, any point in time, it, like, a heroin dealer could just be like, you know what, guys? I'm not feeling this. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my job as the digital marketing professional at a, uh, at a medical company. Just at any point in time, just fucking... I, you know what? Crime's not fun anymore. I'm going to stop and immediately be okay right away. That's what their their assumption is. Is like the second you stop crime, you'll immediately be pulling down like a solid thirty k a year. Right. So all you got to do is go turn yourself in, like just go through the motions, hang out for a little bit, and then you can come right out and be a productive member of society on the other side because it's <laughs> it's so easy to get work. With a criminal record. Yeah. It's so easy for an ex-convict to get work. It's like, they just, like, if Although, you... to be fair, none of the people in Mayberry have criminal records, because Andy doesn't write this shit down. Exactly. Because <laughs> he's like, hey, uh, I want to be arrested, but I want to be Andy Griffith arrested. So, right. you know, you give me some chicken, and then I super promise to stop doing the crime. Actually, we're giving, I'm, I'm saying that now, that is better because he is a contributing member of society and not just sort of eaten by the penal system right i mean okay hmm. god it's the thing where the andy griffith show keeps accidentally making us more conservative because we want andy to do his job but, i know but his job is arresting people <sighs> we're so bad at this it's so no because again it's the thing where we just get mad that he selectively enforces <laughs> the law so we're like do your job and like but then we're just like Arrest more people. <laughs> like, we're, yeah, we don't, we don't want to uphold the prison system. Yeah, no. Uh. So it's, but it's frustrating for him to be judge, jury, and executioner. But he's being judge, jury, ex- executioner, but not in the in the way of like not arresting people. So we're like, this is bad. But the thing he should be doing is bad. So he's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> Complicated. Yeah. So, but yeah, he is technically doing the right thing but also it's like building this weird alternate world where you can just be arrested because you know what it is is that the andy griffith show is setting the expectation that all all sheriffs are andy griffith so if you just turn yourself in they'll be like all right no jail time for you go go back to being a productive member of society yeah go go farm now okay yeah he tells rafe if you go and do this for me i'll have aunt b making some chicken and dumplings and sweet potato pie and Rafe's like, all right, good enough for me. Just a dinner. You got it. Yeah. Hot food. You know, three hots on a cot. Damn. <laughs> hell like, yeah. I like that he's not like, I'm going to make your family dinner. He's like, I'm going to make you specifically dinner. I'd be like, what wife? All right. Yeah. Uh, so outside, Barney is like sitting on a park bench sulking, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ray Hollister comes up. He's like, hey, Barney, five, I need to talk to you. And Barney, like... Almost justifiably says, no, go away, homeless man. I don't want to give you money. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's not like, he doesn't come up and be like, I want to, conf- I can't believe I'm on Barney Five's side. He doesn't come up and be like, I want to confess a crime. He's just like, hey man, sup. And he's just like, get away from me, unwashed weirdo. Like, I'm, I'm not in the mood to, to have a conversation with a, with, a, with a stranger who's wearing seven shirts and no belt. <laughs> and... Uh, meanwhile, like a, a, fashion police. A, kid, a kid on a bike run rolls by and Barney yells at him for, uh, riding on the sidewalk on the largest sidewalk I have ever seen. Yeah. 
He's like, his justification is like, well, if you ride on the sidewalk, everyone's going to ride on the sidewalk. And if someone breaks a window, everyone's going to break a window. And suddenly New York is a dystopian wasteland. So that's why we need to do stop and frisk. Oh, Giuliani. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he's finally, like, irritated enough. He just tells Ray Pollster, fuck off, go away. Uh, and so Rafe goes, all right. And he starts to leave. But then he tells him to come back because he was jaywalking. Which, by the way, Barney just did himself five minutes ago. Yeah. So he calls him back for jaywalking because he's on a power trip. Uh, and then he arrests him and he pulls out his wallet. Uh, and he opens the wallet and, like, two moths fly out yeah. to indicate that there is no money in the wallet. But then he, like, looks at the name and goes, Ray Hollister. So then he, <laughs> that's it. He, like, goes and he takes in Rafe. Uh, does, he tells... Barney that he, or he tells Andy he, he does like it. the whole like, hop one, hop two, get in there, suck in that gut. I arrested you. Yeah, exactly. Are our Don Knotts impressions getting worse? What? You, I'm you doing kind, a Muppet now. You kind of became Mickey Mouse there. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what's happening to me. So this is, I mean, this is, let us run, rush to the end here. We're going to like set up the ending of this just as quickly as the episode set up the beginning. He runs in uh, and he says, well, look at you. You took down Ray Pollister. Are you, am I going to be losing you to Greendale now? And then Barney calls up the mayor of Greendale and says, Nope, they need me too much here in in Mayberry. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, end of episode. The stinger is, they're both talking about how great Barney is. Rafe Hollister's nowhere to be seen. I guess they let him go. Uh, and then they both lock themselves in, in the jail, jail cell. cell. With a bit they do so many fucking yeah. times. Uh, I mean, this one's got kind of a nice little like um, pan shot because they're both in different cells. And yeah. the key is on the, like, banister. Because the key is, like, a pivot point for, like, a neat little pan shot. But that's it. Is that's inc- it. it is incredible how much they use the exact same physical joke. They get a lot of mileage out of that gag. Over and over and over. Like, it's almost, like, envious. Like, imagine being able to write like that where just, like, all right, insult the jail cell bit here and here and we're done. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Happy hour, guys. Happy hour. Yeah. yeah let's. Who, who could go for a highball? Hey. Has, has America st- started doing a lot of cocaine yet? Let's let's start getting into some cocaine. Yeah. Who who could go for some morphine? Hey, we're we're uh, we're a couple of years before the horrors of Vietnam set in. Everything's doing real well for us. Oh, okay. Woo. For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. Uh, but yeah, no. So. I, man, we really got into the fucking weeds on this episode, like, in terms of who is right, who is wrong, and who we're mad at. We're, we're mad at the writers. Yeah. We're, we're consistently mad at the writers. Okay, we skipped ratings on the last episode. I'm not going to let us skip ratings this time. Okay. Uh. Alright, uh, so. Okay. Andy meter or Barney meter first? Let's do the Andy meter first. So this, is this episode a- isn't good. I mean, it. you know what? It is a five for me. It is so fucking middle of the road. It is so just normal and just just static background noise. Yeah, I mean, it loses some points for me because of its just, like, weird pacing. How fast it goes at the beginning and the end, but just, like, does nothing with the time that it saves in the middle. It is but... the sound of cars in a distant highway passing. Like, it is just, like, just background noise. I'm going to say no to that, because I find that rather pleasant. Okay. <laughs> but I see what you're saying. Yeah. It is the sound of, like, distant police sirens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I get what you're saying there. Uh, I feel like I would also give it a five. Yeah. yeah. It's it's aggressively fine. 
Uh, and then five a meter. Okay, so let's go. I think we go beat by yeah, beat. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, so. Break it down for me. Andy's emotional manipulation. Uh, Andy's fucked up motives. So Andy's being emotionally manipulative. Andy's motives are fucked up and uh, corrupt. He's right. trying to cover his own ass. He's trying to cover the ass of a deputy he shouldn't have hired. Right. Barney uh, Barney is not doing well at his job, and uh, Andy is rightfully protecting people from putting this lunatic in a position of power. However, it's Andy's fault that the person is that way. Yeah. Like, it, it's like all of Andy's problems, all of Andy's issues come home to roost, which we're never going to deal with. Andy... Andy's basically Roger Stone at this point. Andy involves uh, criminal action in uh, instead of being emotionally honest with his friend, or just honest with his friend. Yeah. Instead of just like having a heart to heart with his friend, he brings a criminal that they've been pursuing for several months into it. Uh, sort Who goes of, along with it just fine. Yeah, but they make him like a pawn in his game, which is like fucked up. He's abusing his authority to get around. Uh, just talking to his friend. Let's, so that waspy inability to just have a fucking conversation is almost like taken as a just a, it's you know it's like King of the Hill where like they can't talk about their feelings so they need to come up with like crazy roundabout ways to get around that. But that's always the joke in King of the Hill. I mean, and it's just, just not, a matter of a fact thing in this. That, I mean, that's just most sitcoms, right? Yeah, like most television shows. That's a, a trope is that there are so many super contrived issues that could have been solved with a very brief conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, Andy being emotionally manipulative to Barney, Andy abusing his power. Does Barney do anything fucked up? Does that, does Barney abuse no, his power? No, that's the real thing. Barney doesn't do any... He's bad at his job, and he, like, he, looks he, for case law because he doesn't really know what a, a deputy does. It's incredible that he looks for case law. Yeah, It's honestly. a huge personal growth for him that he tries to act actually figure out the law when he arrests those two men right yeah what this is the episode where barney is in the wrong the least and (laughs) it's an episode about how he's bad at his job and remember he like he actually has an opportunity to grow there like he walks away but barney can't be sad for five goddamn minutes Without Andy coming in and, like, coddling him, making him feel better. If he probably would have grown from it. He, he probably would have just come back and been like, all right, Andy, you were right. I do need to look at things from a different perspective. Show me how. I think because the unspoken thing is if Barney is sad for more than five seconds, he will shoot himself in the face. Yeah, probably, but he doesn't have a bullet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Problem the, solved. Counterpoint, it's the South in the 60s. He'll find one. I mean, fair. Yeah. but There's a gun under every bitch. <laughs> no, yeah, like, it's very weird. Let the man be sad for fun. It's, again, it was a, it's the Frasier thing. Have stakes. Have and literally any stakes. There, there's, like, they keep going into stakes, and then just, like, the show, like, run, like, wait, like, like, just runs in, like, it's the beach scene in Jaws, and just grabs the episode out of stakes. Like, just, just... Like, like the the idea of consequences is life threatening, and it needs to get you away from them as quickly as possible. Oh, if if Barney's is sad, then maybe the viewers will think about how sad their life is, and we can't do that. This what, is post war America, damn it! What if a man is sad for being an overwhelming failure? Oh my god, I'm not advancing in my career. 
Oh, oh my. god. Oh, oh god. my god. What if things aren't inherently fine? What if what if there are problems that are lingering over a long-term basis? What if I'm inadequate? <laughs> blam 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 blam. <laughs> Uh, can't 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 be done. Like more than ten seconds of negativity on TV back then would have just wiped out towns. Uh, so I'm hearing uh, four, five. <laughs> again, the the FIFO meter has become so meaningless over the course of season two. I'm gonna say it's Andy is very bad. Uh, it's it's not as it's not anything close to season one though. Like yeah. it's. It's a four. It's, let's say four. I'll say I'll say four as well. So we both agree five and four. Uh, I don't think we've disagreed one. in months. <laughs> I don't think we've disagreed for the entirety of season two because every because by the end neither of us care enough to have a debate <laughs> because season two sucks so much shit. The re- every episode is like a little treasure hunt to find like. The way that the writers were deeply lazy and haphazard. Because I always go in and be like, this is fine. I mean, they just did writing. It doesn't go any particularly interesting. And then every time we just have one more, we're like, wait, what the fuck does that Why would any of this be happening? Like, we always find a reason, not just why, like, a character's single action doesn't make sense, but why the entire situation None of is... it makes any sense. Yeah, like, this whole thing is based off of a series of insane... <laughs> Like assumptions that you just forget don't make any sense. Yeah. So I think at this for most of season two, we're just mad at the writers. Yeah. You guys, we you guys are half-assing, and we're mad at you through time. <laughs> uh, Yelling through time should be our the the subtitle of our podcast. If we uh, if we get like time travel abilities, I'm not gonna try to like kill Hitler. I'm going to go to 1961 and just drop a copy of Save the Cat in the Andy Griffith writer's room. <laughs> there you go. Which, but you know what? That that change that you did would just sort of echo, through, like, butterfly effect through history. And then you'd come back, 9-11 wouldn't have happened. <laughs> so, I guess we're done. Uh, <laughs> I guess we're done. Let's just go ahead and wrap this shit up like we always do. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us if you want to for any reason. Uh, BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. Check out our website, www.BreakingMayberry.com. Uh, please remember, if you like the show, you want to help us out, uh, you can do that by hitting like, subscribe, share, leaving a rating or a review. Uh, it would be super helpful for us, and it helps us get in other people's earbuds. It, Yeah. Uh, I am on the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at SchneidRemarks. That is S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Lutz, two Ds. Do we need to spell them every time? I feel like at this point, people would probably like put two and two together. I don't know. At this point, I, I just like doing it. Ah, that's fair. Um, on Twitter, the show is at Break Mayberry. Uh, our opening music was made by Max Ludwig on Twitter at Sleep Talkie. The music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Ask Again. Uh, I think that's everything we've we, run through by normal. We don't have to credit our art anymore. Yeah, because it was done by you. Boom. All right. Uh, that's pretty much it for us. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all down at the... Beep, 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 beep.